And the Christmas story, in some ways, uh, inaugurates a new, a new part of this story, a new part of this pointing. And um, it's just a powerful thing to see. I, w- I want to pray, open God's word together with you, and we'll get digging into his word and just continue to hear from what God wants to tell us. Let's bow our heads together. God, I thank you, Lord, um, for this night. God, I thank you just for the beautiful hope of Christmas. And here we are, Christmas Eve. Lord, we are so excited to hear from you. God, we are so excited to, to just get a, a greater encounter of your truth. And Lord, I pray you would meet us here, God, in this place, even now. Oh, God, and be glorified, lifted high in our thoughts and in our hearts. I pray in Jesus' name. Amen. Well, Merry Christmas, everyone. It's good to be here, isn't it? It is good to be here. All right. I'm glad. Are you guys glad to be here? All right. Come on. Come on. All right. Well, I know yesterday we were just here, most of us. A lot of us were just here yesterday. But we really had a sweet time at our live nativity. Um, I, I definitely want to just give it up to, to Bruce and Debbie Olson for running this thing and for others who helped out in different ways. Man, it was, it was a real sweet time. We, we had a live, uh, you know, we had wise men. We had shepherds. We had Mary and Joseph and baby Jesus. We had sheep. We had a donkey. I mean, this was, it was crazy. We were stopping traffic. We were causing traffic, actually. And so, man, it, it was super cool. Um, I know for me, one of the things we mentioned yesterday is this desire to, to uh, shrink the distance, the cultural distance between us and Chicago in 2018 and first century Israel, right? And so we don't live, a lot of us it, never lived in a, uh, an agrarian uh, context where it's agriculturally based. A lot of us are just born and raised here in the city, man. We pound the streets. We know, we know sidewalk. We feel comfort with sirens, right? Like this is part of our lives. And yet the Christmas story it was born out of a very different context. So that's something we wanted to, to, to come across uh, as we saw the live nativity yesterday. And with it, um, as, a, as it was coming to an end, we were watching the people who uh, we rented the animals from. They were taking their sheep and bringing them back into their pen, uh, which was uh, in this, this uh, kind of U-Haul-like truck. And what I found so funny is the moment it was time to go, these sheep that were super serene, I mean, some of the kids were like laying down on the sheep during the live nativity. But when it came time to go and the, the people, the herdsmen, the people, people who owned the sheep walked into the cage, those sheep started running away from them. And I'm thinking, I'm like, literally, like, how dumb are you, right? Because for the last hour and a half, you've been letting all these strange kids come t- touch you, pull your hair, pet you, hug on you. And now your owners, who I'm pretty sure treat you well, they feed you, right? They, they, they provide you shelter. They're going to take you back, and now you're fighting against them. And to the point where what they had to do was they had to kind of scoop them up and carry some of them literally back into their truck. But one of my favorites one, I mean, it was straight up running away, and this lady just trying to trying to hold it down until the, the guy came who was a little bit stronger to, to grab this thing. And Pastor Jeremy and I were standing next to each other, and we're like, we're seeing the illustration. We're like, God, I'm so sorry, Lord. God, I know you love me. You feed me. You take care of me, and I run away from you. Like, I'm about to just break out in tears over there over this dumb sheep in front of me. I'm like, God, that is me. I'm so often that dumb sheep. But this is the Christmas story. And isn't it wild that the angel came to reveal himself to shepherds who were keeping their flock by night. And there they were with the sheep. And, you know, as we're thinking about this part of the Christmas story, we're talking about it with our kids this past week. And our daughter just asked, she said, do you think Mary and Joseph understood that Jesus was going to die? I thought that's an interesting question. 
And so basically what her thought was, well, if we know that according to the Old Testament, the way for our sins to be atoned for in the Old Covenant was for a lamb, a sheep, to be sacrificed. So if the angel told Joseph and Mary, your son will save his people from their sins, would they think that their son too would need to be sacrificed? And so here is Jesus, truly the lamb of God. His coming had a purpose, and whether or not Mary and Joseph understood it, his purpose was to die, to die. We've been looking at the book of Matthew and the various passages in Matthew, and I believe what God has helped us do is to get a better understanding of the truths of Christmas. And I think in the process, revealing something about our own hearts, our own failures, our own shortcomings, and sometimes our own wounds. We know that Christmas brings up a lot, doesn't it? It brings up joyful feelings, but man, it sure does bring up a lot of hurts, maybe brokenness, maybe people who aren't here, maybe people who've failed you, maybe the ways you failed others. I mean, it brings it all up because the holidays tend to try to pull people together, but when people come together, you get all kinds of reminders or lack thereof, you know? And so my, my prayer has been that God would close the gap in our minds of what this Christmas story truly is about, but also begin to work in our hearts. And so tonight, what I'm going to do is I'm going to jump around a few different Bible verses, but it's going to find its beginning in the book of Matthew. And if you could, would you turn your Bible there with me? There are Bibles in the chairs in front of you. This is God's word, like we saw in the video just a moment ago, which from Genesis to Revelation points to Jesus. And the book of Matthew chapter 2 is where I'm going to look here. I'll be jumping around, and I'd love for you to join me if you're able to. Sometimes I'll be a little bit faster than others. Feel free to pull out a piece of paper and a pen and write down these verses. But in Matthew chapter 2, verse 19, we looked at just briefly yesterday, I'm going to use that as a springboard tonight. Mary and Joseph go out to Egypt to hide Jesus from Herod, who wants to kill him. And now that Herod is dead, an angel tells them they can come back to Israel. In Matthew chapter 2, verse 19, would you stand with me if you can, as I read this last few verses of this chapter? But when Herod died, behold, an angel of the Lord appeared in a dream to Joseph in Egypt, saying, Rise and take the child and his mother, and go to the land of Israel, for those who sought the child's life are dead. And he rose and took the child and his mother, and went to the land of Israel. But when, the, when he heard that Archelaus was reigning over Judea in place of his father Herod, he was afraid to go there. And being warned in a dream, he withdrew to the district of Galilee. And look at here, verse 23. And he went and lived in a city called what? Nazareth. And here this last part. So that what was spoken by the prophets might be fulfilled. Can you say the word fulfilled? So that he would be called a Nazarene. So that what was spoken by the prophets might be fulfilled, that he would be called a Nazarene. You might be seated. You may be seated. That might be, maybe. <laughs> I love how he says it. So what was said by the prophets might be fulfilled. A lot of times in the Bible when we read this, 
we can link that statement to a verse in the Old Testament of the Bible. What's interesting, there's not a verse in the Bible that says that Jesus would be a Nazarene. But what many understand this to be is this. Nazareth was such a foreign place, it was like Timbuktu. If you say, hey, I'm from Timbuktu, you mean I'm from some obscure place. If you say, you know, I'm from Tahiti, you're like, most people, we couldn't put it on a map, right? Because it just means I'm from far away. Nazareth was kind of one of those places like, hey, he's from Nazareth. Where's that? Well, it doesn't matter because it's so obscure. And what was true is the Bible in the Old Testament said when Jesus would come, he'd come and be one who lived in obscurity, kind of hidden from our sight. But what I want us to focus on is that it might be fulfilled, this word fulfilled. Now, this is what I love. Throughout Jesus' birth story, we see that the different writers in the Bible said, so that might be fulfilled what the prophet said, so it might be fulfilled. I want to read a few of them for you here. Matthew one twenty two. All this took place to fulfill what the Lord had spoken by the prophet. Matthew 2.15, and he remained there until the death of Herod. This was to fulfill what the Lord had spoken by the prophet. Matthew 2.17, then was fulfilled what was spoken by the prophet Jeremiah. Matthew 2.23, we just read it. Matthew 4.14, so that what was spoken by the prophet Isaiah might be fulfilled. Matthew 12.17, this was to fulfill what was spoken by the prophet Isaiah. And Matthew 13.35, this was to fulfill what was spoken by the prophet. You hear me here, like, there, there is language of fulfillment because Jesus coming to this earth came at a specific moment to fulfill God's plan. In fact, Jesus himself said this in the book of Mark. He says, now after John was arrested, Jesus came into Galilee proclaiming the gospel of God, saying, the time is fulfilled and the kingdom of God is at hand. Repent and believe in the gospel. Jesus says, hey, my coming here is the perfect timing. It is now the fulfillment of all that God had promised beforehand. I love the story. God promised and he said where Jesus would be born in Bethlehem in Micah 5, 2, but born of a virgin in Isaiah 7, 14, that he would be uh, born to defeat Satan, Genesis 3, 15. He would be born to suffer in Isaiah 53. Time and time again, Jesus' life had already been prophesied beforehand, and now he was coming to fulfill those very things. This, this should cause us to, our jaws to drop with the accuracy. Jesus couldn't choose where he was born. There was no self-fulfilled prophecy here. He couldn't choose to be born of a virgin. Like, God had to do that. And God did it. I love how it says also in Galatians chapter 4, uh, verses 4 through 6. But when the fullness of time, notice the fullness, the fulfillment, when the fullness of time had come, God sent forth his son, born of a woman, born under the law to redeem those who were under the law, so that we might receive adoption as sons, and because you are sons, God has sent the spirit of his son into your hearts, crying, Abba, Father. So what, basically what we're told is Jesus' birth was a timing. It was the perfect timing. Everything lined up. Culturally speaking, the Romans had created roads that could get you throughout their empire. It was the perfect timing for God's message to spread everywhere. You hear me? It was when the Greek language was spoken throughout, not just in one country, not just in Greece, but throughout the Roman Empire. It was the perfect timing for the message to be understood across cultures. It was the perfect timing politically. It was the perfect timing. 
But above that, it was a perfect timing for God to save people. It says when the fullness of time came, God sent forth his son. God didn't make his son. He didn't create his son, but he sent his son. See, the Bible teaches that Jesus eternally existed, but he didn't always exist in human flesh. It was this time he came at the perfect time. God sent forth his son to be born of a woman under the law. And what that means is all of us are under God's law. God has a perfect standard. All of us are born under that standard. And if we don't meet that standard, we're separated from that standard. You hear me? Jesus then was born like we are under that standard. But because he is God, he could live a perfect life and he met that standard on our behalf. When we look at that standard, we fail, and that means eternal separation from God. Jesus looked at that standard, and he fulfilled it and said, whoever comes to me can become, come under my wing, essentially, and be clothed in my perfection so that you can be with God forever. He met the law. He met, he met the, the law's requirements so we can know God. See, the law is like a black light on our soul. You ever walk into like a, one of those, those, the putting edge over at the hip here or laser tag place that has the black lights everywhere? When you smile, what happens to your teeth? They glow, right? If you're wearing yellow, what happens? It becomes, yeah, it becomes neon. If you're wearing black, what happens? You see all your fuzz. They got one honest person here, right? You got the dandruff on your shoulders, and you turn off the black light, you can't see it. But with the black light, it exposes all that's on you. And the law of God, God's perfect law, exposes all of our sin, our thoughts that we don't want anybody to know about. We keep them in, but God's like, I see your thoughts, your heart. We say, man, I don't want anybody into that. I'm going to close this thing off. I'm going to chain it up. I'm going to lock it down. No one's getting in. God's like, I'm here. I see it. I see the ugly, I see the brokenness, I see the fear, I see the failure, I see it all. I'm a black light on your soul. And that black light then exposes our sin and separates us from God. But Jesus, at the perfect time, fulfilled all that was needed on our behalf. And then it says this, so that we could be adopted into God's family. I mentioned how Christmas can be a time that exposes a lot of wounds. And most of our wounds have to do with family. Amen to that? And I, 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 know, I know even tonight, some of you might be thinking like, after this, I haven't got much planned. Tomorrow, I haven't got much planned. Maybe family's far away. Maybe family's no longer united. Maybe family has passed away. But what I love is actually the Christmas story is not a story to expose the family hurt, but actually a story to remind us that we've got a family. We are adopted into God's family when we put our faith in Jesus. So literally, like tonight, if you are a child of God, you right now are with your family. We're with our brothers. We're with our sisters here to praise our Father with our big brother Jesus, part of God's family. See, his fulfillment of God's law, the fulfillment at the right time came to make it possible for us to be part of God's family. And what this book of Galatians tells us is that we're no longer slaves to sin outside of God's family, but we're now in part of his inheritance. We are heirs to his eternal life. That's what Jesus has brought for us. Family, this is good news. This is good news that the Christmas story is all about. 
But there's one way only that we can be a part of God's family. And Jesus says the time is fulfilled. The kingdom of God is at hand. Repent and believe. Jesus tells us to repent and believe. The word repentance is a biblical term that means to turn away from sin and to turn to God. It's to release of one thing, to turn to another thing. And we turn to God and say, God, I need your forgiveness. I believe in Jesus. And at that point, we become part of God's family, adopted under him. That's the beautiful message of Christmas. And that's what I really want us to understand tonight. But I've titled my, ter- my sermon from Advent to Advent. Anybody know what the word Advent means? It means arrival or coming. When it's the advent of a new day, it's the arrival of a new day. And so what I love here is God had promised from Genesis to Malachi saying all these things would happen about his son Jesus, and he fulfilled all these things at Jesus' first coming, his first arrival, his first advent. And his first advent brought forgiveness. He brought eternal life and eternal hope. But one thing I think sometimes we forget is that God also promises a second advent, a second arrival, and yes, a second coming of Jesus. Now, I know if I, as I look at this, I'm thinking, man, God, can you top the first one, right? Think of your favorite movie with the sequel, all right? Let me just ask you, if you, you see you got a favorite movie, they come out with part two. If you're like me, what's your first reaction? Should not have done it. It's too risky, all right? Uh, let me just ask you, what are some great movies that had a horrible sequel? Just yell them out here. I want to hear them. The Lego movie. The sequel's not even out yet, and already he's counting it bad, yeah. All right, what's another one? Die Hard, right? Home Alone? Matrix? How about Batman? The first one, Michael Key? Like, don't make a second, right? So, yes, we go down the list. The first one's a hit, and it's hard to recapture the magic, right? Because the first movie, well, it was known for either its great uh, cinematography, it was action-packed, it was high-tech, it was a great um, character development. There's, there are things going on that, that make it kind of magical, and these, uh, these directors have a hard time reduplicating it, don't they? When we look at the Christmas story, think about this. Eternal God became a man. That's pretty magical. Born of a virgin to save people from their sins so that people like us can live for eternal life with God now forgiven. That's a pretty high bar in his first advent. The kind of one you're like, God, don't make a sequel, right? Don't make a sequel. But hear this. I love how the Bible says it. Because when Jesus ascends into heaven, the disciples are looking to the clouds and all of a sudden Jesus disappears out of their sight and then angels come and they say, men of Galilee, why do you stand looking into heaven? This Jesus who was taken up from you into heaven will come in the same way as you saw. Why will Jesus come back? Why, why will he come back? Jesus has unfinished business. Yes, in his first coming, he conquered sin. Yes, in his first coming, he made it possible for us to be adopted into his family. Yes, in his first coming, he brought forgiveness. Yes, he brought hope. Yes, he brought joy. But what's his unfinished business? 
was unfinished business is that he's got to come back and take us home with him. His unfinished business, he's got to defeat Satan. His unfinished business, he's got to reign as a king and establish righteousness and usher in eternity. The second coming will be as remarkable as the first. The sequel is as great as the original. The first advent followed by the second advent are both remarkable and reasons for hope. Look what Jesus says here in in John 14. He says, let not your hearts be troubled. Some of us have troubled hearts today. Hear what he says. Believe in God. Believe also in me. He's saying, believe in me the same way you believe in the Father, because I too am God. He says, in my Father's house are many rooms. If it were not so, would I have told you that I go to prepare a place for you? And hear this. And if I go and prepare a place for you, I will come again and will take you to myself that where I am, you may be also. Family, that's more than just a mild amen. Come on, man. That's more than a mild amen. See, Jesus gives a promise to come back like he came the first time. God promised him to come the first time. God delivered on his promise, exceeded our expectation. Jesus, as he leaves, says, by the way, I'm coming back, and I will fulfill my promise, and I will exceed your expectations. And if I tell you I'm leaving to prepare a room, you better believe I'm coming back to take you there with me. We've got a hope, family, that goes beyond this earth. And we come to the very last book of the Bible, to the very last chapter, and the very last verses. And we read this. I, Jesus, have sent my angel to testify to you about these things for the churches. I am the root and the descendants of David, the bright and morning star. And then John writes this, the spirit and the bride, that's us, the church, the bride, we say, come. That's what we're talking to Jesus, come. And let the one who hears say, come. Come back, Jesus. And he who testifies to these things, this is Jesus, he says this, surely I am coming soon. And then John writes, amen. Come, Lord Jesus. Amen. Come, Lord Jesus. See, from one advent to the other, to the next. Family, we have a hope in Jesus. Yes, in this life right now, he offers forgiveness. He offers joy. He offers eternal hope. He offers restoration. But he also offers the promise of his return. And family, no matter what this night, this day, this week, and what last year has brought to you, no matter what 2019 will bring to you. There are some things in the midst of the unknown that are very known. What is known is this, that through faith in Jesus, you are redeemed. Through faith in Jesus, you are adopted in his family. And through faith in Jesus, he's coming back to take you home someday. And for that reason, we come to Christmas and we have great celebration. Because just as God fulfilled his first promise, we could bank on the fact he will come back and fulfill his next. Jesus is the light of the world, family, who shines in darkness. As we conclude our Christmas Eve service, we're going to light these candles even now. We're going to pass this flame on to everyone. 
I'm going to invite our worship team to come up on stage as I conclude the message. In the Bible, light has so many images, so many different ideas. Jesus is called the light of the world because our world is in darkness. Yes, you can stand on your feet once your candle's lit. Jesus is the light of the world who's come in the midst of darkness. We think of how Jesus shines forth hope. We think of the joy that he brings that lightens our eyes and lightens our load. As we hold this candle, I just want us to close our eyes as I pray as we prepare to sing of our joyful coming of our Lord. So with heads and hearts bowed, I just want you to think about where you stand with God and if you're a child of God today, I just want you to be reminded how Jesus' light shines in your soul. I want to remind you to my sister out there that you are adopted into God's family and he sees you as his. To my brother out there that I want you to know that you are God's son, part of his household as well. Father God, I want to pray for that one who's here today or two who don't, uh, who've never quite put their faith in Jesus. Maybe never quite understood how their soul is marred by sin and how you, God, have a black light on it. Maybe they understood that for the first time tonight. God, I pray that they would understand that Jesus is the one to bring forgiveness of that sin. I pray they put their faith in him. That you would light a fire in their heart that would not go out. Jesus, we thank you that just as you fulfilled your promise to come the first time, you're coming back. And we say, oh God, as a church, come Lord Jesus. Come Lord Jesus. Come and take us home. Bring us into glory. Well, so long as you have us on this earth, may we make known your goodness and shine your light. I pray all this in Jesus' name. Amen. Let's lift our voices together. Joy to the world. Joy to the world. The Lord is come. Let earth receive her King. Let every heart prepare Him room. And heaven and nature sing. And heaven and nature sing. Heaven and heaven and nature sing. Joy to the world, the Savior reigns. Let all their songs implore. While fields and floods, rocks, hills and Sounding joy, really people sounding joy. 
Everybody sing joy. Joy. Unspeakable joy. And overflowing where no tongue can tell. Joy. Unspeakable joy. Rises in my soul. Never lets me go. of his love and wonders of his love and the hundreds wonders of his love joy unspeakable joy overflowing well no tongue can tell joy the voice is joy joy unspeakable joy and overflowing well no tongue can tell joy unspeakable joy it rises in my soul never lets me Isaiah 9 says that the people who lived in darkness have seen a great light. And yes, his light shines brightly. Family, we want you to go out tonight and celebrate Christmas. Maybe quietly, maybe loudly. But we want you to celebrate nonetheless. Our Savior has been born and he's coming back one day to take us home. Family, I want you to bless, bless you with these words from number six. The Lord bless you and keep you. The Lord make his face to shine upon you and be gracious to you. The Lord lift up his countenance upon you and give you peace. Father, we praise you for, for your son Jesus and we ask that we would go out with your joy and your hope. We love you in Jesus' name. Amen, amen, amen. Church family, you are dismissed. We'd love to see you on Sunday as we have our final gathering of 2018. God bless you. You can turn out your candles.
they, they will collect the candles as you exit if you wanted to know that.